October 25, 1999, six people boarded a Learjet 35 from Orlando, Florida to Dallas, Texas, somewhere around 30,000 feet. They entered eternity. Payne Stewart was an amazing golfer. He uh, always looked like he walked off the Hollywood set of uh, Bagger Vance. Always looked like he'd walked out of a uh, time warp of the early 1900s. <clears throat> Excuse me, he dressed in knickers and uh, knee-high socks like they uh, did around uh, the 1900s. Very flamboyant character. The pressure in the airplane, there was a leak. And uh, eventually all the oxygen was evacuated out of the plane. The Air Force sent up a uh, fighter jet to intercept them, try to wake them up, do something. He looked in the cockpit, and the pilots were slumped over their seats. All of the uh, passengers were passed out. They died before they the plane ever ran out of gas and crashed. It's a very, very, very serious thing <clears throat> when we put our spiritual life on autopilot. All of the oxygen can leak out of our life. All, all of our spiritual oxygen, unbeknownst to us, we get drowsy, we nod off, and we wake up in eternity. It's um, <clears throat> rare, God always speaks to me, but it's rare when he speaks to me with the fervency and the urgency. He spoke to me last night. He said, Ray, preach every word. Preach it with passion. So listen up. Father, in Jesus' name, open our hearts, our eyes, our ears. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive you. Every word. Make it so, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Title of my sermon this morning is Where the Streets Have No Name. If you're as uh, big a fan of U2, the rock group, as I am, you remember the song Where the Streets Have No Name. There's a story there. 
Bono, the lead singer, wrote this song because of a um, practice in Belfast, Northern Ireland. In Belfast, Northern Ireland, Ireland, you can... Uh, Based on your religion and your income, you can only live on a certain street. If you're a Protestant, you have to live on a certain street. If you're Catholic, you have to live on a certain street. He wanted to write a song imagining where there's a place where there is no prejudice. No racism, no envy, no strife. The lyrics to his song go like this. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to tear down the walls that hold me inside. I want to reach out and touch the flame where the streets have no name. I want to feel the sunlight on my face. See that dust cloud disappear without a trace. I'll show you a place on a high desert plain where the streets have no name. Non-Christians have no idea what he's talking about. Most people don't know that Bono is a hair-on-fire Christian, a very devout Christian. But Christians who know their Bible, they're very familiar with the imagery of Scripture. They recognize key words and phrases, such as tearing down the walls, tearing down the walls of disbelief, touching the flame of the Holy Spirit. We know what this high desert plain is. It is the Christian life. There is no segregation, no prejudice in the kingdom of God. But there's a street in the kingdom of God that we should all desire to live on. And it has a name. And that name is wisdom. Slide one, please. Proverbs chapter 8. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance to town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, all of you. I raise my voice to all people. You simple people use good judgment. You foolish people show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and detest every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and acknowledge them rather than pure gold. Excuse me. And receive knowledge rather than 
than pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Slide two, please. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Inside and strength are mine. I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. I walk in righteousness in the paths of justice. And so my children listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me. Watching for me daily at my gates. Waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life. And receives favor from the Lord. But those who dismiss me injure themselves. And all who hate me love death. The personification of wisdom here in Proverbs 8 is a picture of Jesus' relationship with his Father. This proverb reminds us not only of the great value of God's wisdom, but also of the high truth that Jesus is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.24 from the NLT, But those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Slide three, please. From the book of James. If you need wisdom, this is rhetorical, folks. There's no question we need wisdom. Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and this world. And they are unstable in everything they do. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When you ask for wisdom, God gives you of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. From Chuck Swindoll, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is no more an it than God the Father or Jesus Christ is an it. 
The Holy Spirit is a he. No gender confusion. He is a he. With a personality, a mind, a will, and emotions. He is our advocate. John 14, 16. The Holy Spirit can feel sorrow. Ephesians 4.30. He can be grieved, offended by our actions. Being God, he is co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with the Father and the Son. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist as equals, together but separate. This is a mystery we can never fully grasp. But God the Father planned our salvation. God the Son implemented our salvation. And God the Holy Spirit is enacting and empowering our salvation. Heaven is not a destination. God intends that we enjoy this journey we call life. He intends that we enjoy this life he has given us in his son. John 10.10, 10, Jesus makes it very clear that he came to this earth to give us life, real life, a better life than we ever imagined. He came to fill our life with joy, his joy. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness is temporary. Joy is eternal. When we follow Jesus in lockstep with what he's doing in our world, our joy tank gets filled up. You don't have enough joy in your life? Determine in your heart to follow Jesus even more closely. And when we complete this journey we call life, we graduate to an eternity with him. In God's heaven, the streets have no name. There will be no elites in heaven, no caste system, no status other than redeemed. But still we wonder if the heroes of the faith like St. Paul and Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, won't they have medals on their chest? Something to identify their valiant achievements for the kingdom of God. I don't believe they will. Will their crowns be bigger than ours? I don't think so. You'll pass St. Paul on the streets of gold and you'll say, hello, Brother Paul. I'd love to sit down to a cup of coffee with you sometime. You'll say, how about now? There'll be coffee shops all over heaven. Trust me, there'll be coffee shops all over heaven. It's a franchise called Holy Grounds. <laughs> You'll sit down with St. Paul and say, tell me about all the times you had doubt. I've told you this before. <clears throat> Mother Teresa stipulated in her will that upon her death, all her diaries were to be burned. She said she didn't want anyone to read how many times she had doubted God.
Martin Luther said, faith is a wrestle with doubt. Any of the saints you sit down to coffee with in heaven and ask this question, did you ever doubt? Every one of them will answer, yes, I doubted the Lord. I doubted him many times. But in every situation, his grace was sufficient for my need. There will be no envy in heaven. And yes, it's true, some of us will arrive empty-handed. But even so, we will not envy those who receive greater rewards, we'll rejoice with them. We will be genuinely happy for them. And what will those rewards be? Consider the story of Joseph, sold into slavery in Egypt by his own brothers, and despite his many trials, ascends to the second highest position in all of Egypt which at that time was the greatest empire on earth. I believe the rewards Christ will pass out in heaven will be positions of great authority in his millennial kingdom. What you're good at here, God has gifted you with. Whether you're an accountant, a plumber, whatever you do. If you're a military general, in God's millennial kingdom, he'll give you armies to command. Whatever you're good at here, you'll probably be doing in Christ's millennial kingdom. But faith will be honored above achievements. Write it down. Faith will be honored above achievements. That should give you pause. In God's heaven, faith will be honored above achievements. You can't earn faith just like you can't earn your salvation. So do you want more faith? It's all up to you. How much faith do you want? Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by being in the word of God. The Holy Spirit gives you spiritual ears, spiritual eyes, spiritual discernment so you can hear and understand what God's Word says. So again, how much faith do you want? How much hunger do you have for truth, righteousness, love, peace, courage? How much hunger do you have for God? Faith, real faith, biblical faith will provide all the wisdom and endurance you will need to navigate these last days. And make no mistake about it, we are in the last days. Slide four. Again from Brother James. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it, underline this, an opportunity for great joy. An opportunity for great joy. How do you see your trials and tribulations? 
Do you see them as an opportunity for great joy? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Get into the book of James. But most of us hear this and we put over, no, 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 Lord. Uh, it's been a tough week. No more testing the faith, please. And what does Jesus say? Consider the testing of your faith an opportunity for great joy. You can grumble or you can rejoice. It's your choice. Most of us don't realize how critically important is Christ's warning to us in Matthew chapter 24. We are living Matthew 24. Wake up and smell the coffee. We are living Matthew 24. Slide five, please. Matthew 24, 9 through 14. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. If you're living in Nigeria right now, it's much worse than you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Do you realize 90% of every resolution that has been passed in the United Nations in the past generation is a resolution against Israel? You will be hated for my name's sake. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of most will wax cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Take it to the bank. Endure and you will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. I got a hot news flash for you. The gospel has already been preached to the ends of the earth several times over. These are the last days. And the world knows this. Internet searches regarding end times Bible prophecy is astronomical. Slide six, please. Matthew 24, 23 through 25. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you this ahead of time. In Matthew 24, Jesus warns us. Read Matthew 24 and underline how many times he uses the word deception. Deception will be our greatest enemy in these days. 
The late Stanley Toussaint taught at Dallas Theological Seminary for many years. He saw the end times more clearly than most Bible scholars. He said Islam would be the dominant deception in the end times. He cited the fact that the fastest growing population on earth and thereby the fastest growing religion is Islam. The average Islamic family has six children. They'll take over the nations. They'll take over Europe by population. Muslims believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible, but they believe in Jesus. They believe he lived, but they do not believe he died. They believe Jesus was just a man, not God in the flesh, not the Son of God, just a man, a prophet. Like Muhammad. They believe Christ caught him up. Just like Elijah. And he will come back. He will come back at the right hand of what they call their mighty. Islam believes the rider on the white horse in Revelation chapter 6 is their mighty. Their savior who will destroy all infidels who do not embrace or convert <coughs> to Islam. But the rider on the white horse in Revelation 6 is Satan. Did you know that? How many times have you read Revelation 6? Go read it again. The rider on that white horse with a crown and a bow. He's Satan. His white horse represents a counterfeit Jesus Christ. And this counterfeit Jesus Christ will preach deception, religious deception, pure and simple. And that religious deception will be Satan masquerading as Christ. Islam says the Mahdi will call himself Jesus Christ, Son of God. Great deception. Islam's Mahdi is who we call Antichrist. All the horses listed in Revelation 6, the white horse, the black, the red, the pale green horse, and all their riders represent Satan and his end times reign of terror. The four horsemen of the apocalypse are not God's angels. They are Satan's angels. God's judgment on this unbelieving world will be to allow Satan to torture, to kill, and bring great horrors upon this earth. Folks, you need to know your Bible. So you won't be deceived. You don't just need to know it. You need to understand it. To that end, I intend to institute a revelation study. I'm thinking at this point the best time to do that would be uh, Thursday nights. And of course
incorporated into our prayer meeting. But uh, come to me after the service and tell me what you think. If Wednesday night would work better, tell me. But we, we need to get under, into the book of Revelation and truly understand it. What did Jesus mean when he said even the very elect would be deceived if that were possible? What he's saying is nominal Christians, fence-sitting Christians, lukewarm Christians will be deceived. Because they don't know the word. And if you don't know the word, then you don't know Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus is his word. You can't say you love Jesus if you don't read his love letters. If you don't read the Bible, you can't say you know Jesus. Slide 7. 1 John 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Joel Osteen, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland. I could go on. Joel Osteen is going to stand before the judgment seat. Jesus has talked about him. Many will come to me on the day of judgment. Say, Lord, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. My church did wonderful things in your name. We, we did miracles in your name. And what would Jesus say? Depart from me, I never knew you. Everything you said you did for me, you did for you. Kenneth Copeland has a net worth of $750 million. And two Learjets. He got his reward here. He'll get to think about that for eternity. The elect cannot be deceived because they know the word. I'll say that again. The elect cannot be deceived because they know the word. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks truth, peace, encouragement, and enlightenment. And thereby we receive the power to overcome the lies and deceit of this world. So who are the elect? Pay close attention. It says the elect, not the elite. The elect. The elect are those who proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord of their lives. Those who follow him. Those who obey him. Those who are in the word. There's a world of difference between those who give Jesus lip service and those who are committed disciples. Which are you? There's a world of difference. A heaven and hell difference. But back to the deception of Islam. Islam has an eschatology. A doctrine of end times. 
They had taken St. John's revelation and turned it upside down. He who is good is bad, and he who is bad is good. Antichrist is the Savior. Jesus is a fable. He's a fraud. Satan can read. He's a great liar, a great deceiver, and a great manipulator. As I said, the Mahdi is their Jesus, their Savior. Their Mahdi is our Antichrist. The great deception of the last days will be the Islamic Mahdi. This is specifically what our Lord Jesus was warning us of in Matthew 24. False Christ, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive and even the elect were it possible. You should be able to look at the Middle East these days and see the muddy at work. Satan hates anything that bears his name. Jerusalem is his city. Eternally his city. And Satan will do everything in his power to destroy Jerusalem. We're living in the beginning of the very end. There are millions of Palestinians living in Jordan and Egypt. And they are clamoring to join the fight in Gaza. Very soon, Israel will be at war with all her neighbors. Very soon, Ezekiel 38, a 2,600-year-old prophecy will be fulfilled. Prophecy is what separates the Bible from every book that's ever been written. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of prophecies. And they've all been fulfilled. There's been an endless trail of Palestinians traveling through Jordan to Lebanon. To join Hezbollah. This war is far from over. Egypt's president is weak. Jordan's president is weak. Eventually, they will cave to the Palestinian clamor to attack Israel. And remember what I've been teaching you. Ezekiel 38. Jesus says, altered scripture, keep your eye on Jerusalem. You want to know where you're at on my prophetic time clock? Keep your eye on Jerusalem. When all the Islamic nations that surround Israel attack her, Ezekiel 38 says they will all be slaughtered on the hills of Israel. So many it will take the Israelis seven months to bury the dead. You may not have walked through the parted waters of the Red Sea, but you're going to see God's miraculous power 
if you live another five years, perhaps if you live another five months, you're going to see one of God's great miracles. But what that means is the church will be raptured. When Ezekiel 38 is fulfilled and Israel is attacked on all sides, the church will be raptured. I believe 2024 will be a horrific year for America. I believe it will be a horrific year for the entire world. I went to the grocery store yesterday and what I thought was going to cost $20 Ticket said 50. It's going to get worse. I believe, like Israel, our economy will collapse either because of all the wars we're fighting abroad, all the money we're borrowing from China to finance those wars. How stupid is that? Or because we will be at war here at home. Either we will experience another 9-11. There's so many sleeper cells in this country, you couldn't beat them with a stick. Either we'll experience another 9-11 or another civil war. If Trump doesn't get elected in 2024, there'll be a civil war. I can almost guarantee it. One way or another, We'll be forced to pull out of Israel and Ezekiel 38 will be fulfilled. When America pulls out of Israel, there will be no one to come to Israel's rescue but Almighty God. <clears throat> Slide 8. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but the power and the love and of a sound mind. I'll tell you again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Christ has given us a litany of prophecies about the end times. Why? So we won't have to live in fear of what's coming. These prophecies are a gracious warning from a loving God. So we won't have to be alarmed or caught off guard. In fact, we should be rejoicing. We should be dancing in the streets. Because our homecoming is in. which we, we should be shouting hallelujahs and dancing in the streets. We should be singing and praying, Lord Jesus, quickly come. Jesus told us in exacting detail what to expect. Go home and read Matthew 24. Matthew 24, 12 through 13 because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Committed Christians will endure 
by being in the Word. We will endure by keeping Hebrews 10.25. Do not forsake assembling yourselves together as the, as the manner of some is. In modern English, don't play church. But when you gather together, encourage each other in the word. Persecution and suffering are coming. But it will only strengthen our faith. It will give us an opportunity for great joy. We should be praying with supplications for our fellow Christians throughout the world. Nigeria, China, I could give you a litany. Suffering incredible persecution and even genocide. Supplication is a powerful word. It means to beg God earnestly and humbly for his intervention. When's the last time you prayed some supplication? James chapter 1 verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation afterwards. They will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let us pray. Father, give us your passion. Your passion for the lost. Lord, help us, well, help us wake up and smell the coffee. Time is very short. We need to be living what we believe. We need to be preaching, encouraging our families, our neighbors, everyone we meet. Time is short. There's a great tsunami of evil. And it's coming our way. Help us live what we believe. There are times when just simply living what we believe is preaching a sermon. Remind us, Lord, that some of the people we bump into in the course of the day we're the only Bible they will ever read. The truth that we speak to them is the only words of Christ they will ever hear. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you all.